I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. How are you, Gary Jr.? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Hello, listeners. Well, we're going to talk a little basketball today. So, Gary, uh, why don't you kick us off? What do you want to talk about as far as uh, the NBA is concerned? Well, I would like to talk about probably the biggest story, at least um, in my opinion, during the NBA playoff, besides the Brooklyn Nets losing in the first round. Oh, boy. Is Chris Paul... (laughs) Blowing oh. another 2-0 lead. He's blown his fifth in his career the most out of any other player. The other guy that finished second on that list is his former teammate, Blake Griffin. So that just shows you how much they have had issues in the postseason. But I think it's officially time to say that Chris Paul is not a top five point guard of all time. I think it's time to say that that's the case. Now, he does have to, you know a few more years to redeem himself, but at 37, as a smaller guard, it's not likely that he'll be able to do so. Uh, when you look at the other point guards, at least I have ahead of him, and I believe you agree with me, at least on the first uh, three or four, um, you know, Magic, Steph Curry, um, Isaiah Thomas, and Oscar Robinson, no particular order because – Later on, folks will be doing our uh, point guard list of all time. So we're not going to touch on the list. I'm sorry, the exact order of the list. And, and you know, your list could be different, Dad. But those are the four, you know, the the four names, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to, to officially take Chris Paul out of the discussion of being on that list. When you do that and you're, quote-unquote, a floor general type point guard, you cannot have multiple series of losing a 2-0 lead. And it, and in most cases, they were the favorites and they were the home team. You know, they were, you know, they were the, uh, you know, the higher seed. When they blew the lead to the Houston Rockets, they were the higher seed. When they blew the lead to the Golden State Warriors, they were the higher seed. Chris Paul does this a lot. And it's sad to say, in fact, even last year against the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they went the higher seed, but they blew a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals. This is something that Chris Paul ha- has done continuously, and it's sad to say, it, uh, you know, because I never want to uh, diminish a player. But, I, you know, as you may know, I may not have been the biggest Chris Paul fan throughout his entire career, but I think this has to be said now. And, look, I'm not going to go uh, crazy like Patrick Beverly did by calling him a traffic cone. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is the fact that Chris Paul has been, I think, overrated by a lot of people. And this just shows, you know, this is just another example of Chris Paul being um, exposed in these moments. And it's sad because, you know, when you watch him play, you know, as as people that played point guard, you know, or, or two guard, uh, you know, when we played basketball, it's tough to see a guy at his size uh, a struggle because he's been so great in so many uh, big moments throughout you know his career. It's just it's weird that he's blown these leads when you know when he has shown time and time again that he can be a star player. Well, Gary, um, 
I have to echo many of your remarks. I, I have uh, I have tried to put Chris Paul in the, at a higher level, as you probably have noticed. I've even in the past talked about him as far as being a, a candidate for MVP over the last couple of years. I've had him in my top five or top 10 people that would be vying for an MVP in 22 as well as in, in 2021. And what I saw in that playoff game against Dallas, uh, that final game, was one of the worst meltdowns I've seen in an NBA game of that caliber. Now, you you see it in regular season when a top team is playing a, a lowly ranked team. But when you're talking about in a game of this magnitude to actually be down by 30 points and, and to score 27 points in an entire half, that was worse than many AAU basketball games that I've coached over the years. I mean, that was absolutely uh, an abysmal performance, one in which you could almost throw in the towel at halftime. And unfortunately, the person who has to take a lot of the blame for that, I think the coach does as well, but it's, the, it's your floor general. It's the guy leading you. And Chris Paul was not able to get assists. He wasn't able to get the ball to the guy's in order for them to score, he wasn't able to score himself. The turnovers, uh, the confidence or lack of confidence that the players displayed on the court, it was it was just unbelievable. For a team to have won over 60 games during the regular season, the team to have won more games during the regular season than any other team in the NBA, and as you mentioned earlier, to have a 2-0 lead and to be playing a team that, I personally don't think it's all that good. I think Dallas is, uh, in fact, if uh, if you had Kawhi Leonard and a healthy George, um, and if you had a few other things happen for the for the Lakers, on the positive side, uh, the Dallas would have been struggling. They've been they've been struggling to get into the playing round, no less uh, finish uh, where they did during the the regular season. Uh, Luca is a good player, but for him to, to, to literally have 27 points in the first half while the Suns had 27 points in the first half was uh, truly, truly uh, unprecedented as far as I've ever ever seen in that game of that magnitude. Because he's not a Michael Jordan or, or Larry Bird or Magic Johnson or, or Kareem abdul or any of those. He's not of that caliber, uh, Luca. Will, will he rise and get better? Yes, he will. But he's not of that caliber. To, to be able to say that I outscored or scored as many points as a team, as, as an entire team in the first half. Well, he did against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it was absolutely terrible, Gary. And and they were also outcoached. Uh, Jason Kidd did an excellent job and and getting the ball out of out of Booker's hands and doing kind of like a run and jump and they put two guys on him or give him, give him the appearance that he had two guys on him, and then he got rid of the ball, when in reality all he had to do was dribble around, and that second guy would have disappeared. It was just a run and jump. It wasn't It wasn't a, two, a, 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 boxing, a boxing two on Jason Kidd, I mean, on, uh, on Booker. It was not that. And, and the point guard, that being Chris Paul, should have been able to show him that he had various opportunities to, in order to move the ball around and help the team 
get some easy baskets because of the run and jump effort against against Booker. So it was a it was a terrible display of basketball on the part of the Phoenix Suns, and a very disappointing display of basketball from from Chris Paul. And I agree with you, Gary, that he has to be dropped from any discussion of the top five point guards in the history of the NBA. Doesn't even match. That doesn't even. It's not worthy of even discussing anymore. Because when you think of what he has done, not only as you mentioned before, this is not the first time he's had this type of problem. This is the fourth or fifth time that he's had this type of problem. So it's something that's habitual on his part. He's and it it just has the word choke written all over it. And unfortunately, his legacy is going to be tainted largely by what happened in the last two seasons, but especially. It would be underscored by what happened in his last game against the Phoenix Suns, against, I'm sorry, against the Dallas Mavericks while they had a 2-0 lead. They, the, the debacle happened over time. It's not like they it was that one game. It was more than that. Uh, now, for the first time in a while, you know, he did actually c- continue to play the entire, uh, just about the entire playoffs, which was you know, remarkable. That that hasn't happened. That had not happened in the past. But at age 37, I think that he should give some serious consideration to uh, to packing it in because I, I don't think anyone, I don't have any faith in any team that he's leading because we know ultimately they're going to lose. Well, I disagree there. I think that's a little too strong. I don't think he should retire, but I do think that he should go to a different team, a.k.a. the Lakers. I think him going to the Los Angeles Lakers and playing with LeBron James will actually help him out a lot because he doesn't have to do all the leadership role. Uh, the problem is, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I don't want any player on the Los Angeles Lakers. So I don't know how that you know how they can even work uh, remotely. But you know, let's also uh, touch on the fact you know, and we're gonna get into the other uh, series. But I want to touch on the Dallas Mavericks real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, I'm not you know I agree with you. I'm not really impressed with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, what they have done is they've taken advantage of the matchups that they have had and give them credit for that. They are playing a five-out offense, which is allowing them to get to the basket and force people to take out their bigs. And Phoenix and Gold, I'm sorry, Phoenix and Utah, they rely on their defensive bigs, you know, on their presence. And I had a real problem with Monty Williams not giving the ball to DeAndre Ayton more, and maybe that's a Chris Paul issue. Yeah, I think but it DeAndre is Chris Ayton Paul could have changed I the entire series because he can score. Rudy Gobert can't score, you know, and that's yeah. why Utah's probably gonna have to trade trade him or trade someone on on their team to kind of you know change their roster up. But DeAndre Ayton can score the ball; he can get you twenty five points. That's right. And the fact that they didn't even use their only mismatch that they had is just it's just ridiculous. I don't know what they were doing, but that but again. That's another fault of Chris Paul because he really plays the you know the pick and roll offense, which works great. But when they have seen it six times, you know, in, you know, in six straight games, and Jason Kidd, you know, when we have our conversation of the best point guards, he will be in that conversation. He knows what Chris Paul is going through because he played at that age and he won a championship later in his career with the Dallas Mavericks. So he knows exactly what Chris Paul's trying to do because he was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just. You know, it's first let's give Jason Kidd credit for realizing that you know the matchup and taking advantage of the matchup. And the second thing is Monty Williams did a poor job. He did. He did. 
It's, it's very sad. And he was coach of the year this year. They had a great regular season. It's like they forgot how to how to play and manage a basketball game. It was it was really really sad. And maybe I was a little too harsh on Chris Paul as far as retiring, but I just I don't I don't see him uh, leading a team to a championship. That I mean, let's phrase it that way. He could play as long as he would like to play, but as far as my having any faith in the team that he's leading to go to an NBA championship. A lot of ducks have to fall in, in line for that to happen, and, and I just don't see that happening. So, Dad, let's focus on the Eastern Conference uh, finals here with the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, both teams that are that are very similar to each other. They both kind of play the same way, both defensive-oriented teams with two guys in Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler that are really trying to get in the superstar category at – and with two young coaches, you know, um, even though Coach Spolter is not as young as as um, Ime Doku, the Boston Celtic coach, I think it's very exciting to see this series because it's the first series we've had in a while where it's two defensive teams, and it's really going to go down to which guy can you know can put up the most points and what guy can uh, can get his other teammates involved because they both have very good role players around them. They really do. Both both teams. And I tell you, Horford is surprising me each and every game. Uh, he's playing excellent basketball, some of the best basketball I've ever seen him play. And then you, you have our friend from P P uh, Prince George's County who played for Indiana. Uh, his name escapes me right now. Uh, Victor Oladipo. Oladipo. And he, he is filling in for Butler when you know, Butler, unfortunately, got injured the other day. Uh, and he he plays like the player that he is. He was an all-star. I mean, a great defensive player. I don't know how many steals he got in that last game. He But, but he not only got steals, but he disrupted their offense constantly. Um, it's just a tough, gritty player. Uh, and then Harold can really shoot. I mean, and then you have a guy who's been there and done that. And that, that is Kyle Lowry, who I'm not a fan of. But the guy has, has a ring. And bottom line of it is he knows how to win. So the, the the Miami Heat they're uh, they're one and two at this stage as we're as we're talking now, and uh, you know Boston I still believe is going to win this 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 series. Uh, Brown had a had a great game, uh, uh, but Jason Jason Tatum has been kind of inconsistent, and that's going to have to change in order for the the the, uh, the Celtics to be able to to win. Marcus Smart had a I thought potentially a playoff ending injury, but he came right back and played, uh, fell on that ankle of his. But, uh, you know, obviously defensive player of the year, great defensive player. Uh, you know, they have the, the pieces to win. And I, and I said before, I think they can go to the finals. But right now it, it looks as though, uh, you know, they gave up. Oh, they were down by about 20 points, 26 points before they started playing basketball in, the last, in game number three. And they end up losing by six, but but you can't you can't give up a tremendous lead like that and, and expect to be able to come back and win. I don't care if you are playing at home, Phoenix Suns, as well as uh, the, the Celtics the other night. So I think it's going to be a tough series. Probably go seven, and the superstar will rise, whether it's Butler or or Jason Tatum. Uh, those are the two that are in are in, in everyone's conversation right now. Um, both are very capable individuals. Both are, are stars in their own right. Um, Butler's been, I guess, tested longer and been around a little longer. And he, he's a more complete player. He gets your rebounds. He gets you plays extremely good defense. Uh, 
and you're right, Gary, the two defensive teams for the most part, right now the edge has to go to Miami being the better defensive team. But I believe that when all is said and done, I still think the Celtics are going to pull this out. Well, I disagree with you. I don't think Miami's a better defensive team. I think what really um, is going to be uh, – that stood out, at least in the last game, is the fact that it's going to be more than Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum because I think they're going to end up um, canceling each other out because they both want this so badly and they're mm-hmm. both going to play extremely hard in their games. Mm-hmm. It's really going to go down to the second and third level guys, uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Boston yeah. and uh, and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero for the Miami Heat to see who's going to have the better game against their uh, respective matchup. For Bam, it'll probably be Al Horford or Robert Williams, who's still injured or who's not 100% healthy. And, you know, for Jalen Brown, it's going to be Jimmy Butler is going to be guarding him most of the time. Yeah. So he's going to have to, you know, do a lot against against Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. And, you know, he had a great game. Obviously, he had a great game. He scored 40 points in the last game. But it was the ugly 40 points. And that's something that they're going to have to fix because when Jalen Brown gets the ball, he doesn't look to pass. He looks to try to, you know, to score and score often. And that's fine. But the Boston Celtics, when they, you know, when they were losing games early in the year, it was because they were playing too much ISO basketball. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are not the best ISO players in the league. So they're going to have issues if they don't move the ball. So hopefully they'll be able to fix that. But on the Miami Heat side, they just have to find a way to get consistent scoring. And that's something that they're going to have to do uh, more often because uh, Bam and Jimmy Butler, sometimes they don't live up to, you know, the level that they're supposed to play at. And and hopefully that will you know not happen in this series because I want everyone to be at their full, you know, uh, first fully healthy, and two be able to compete at the highest level so we can get a great series. But I I do agree with you on with the end result. I do believe Boston will end up winning this series. Well, I tell you, Boston's been shooting themselves in the foot, Gary. They've had so many unforced errors, turnover after turnover after turnover. Now some are great defensive plays, yes. But I think the bulk of them have just been bad passes and trying to do too much. You have Brown dribbling in with three guys there and someone knocking the ball off his knee or knocking the ball out of bounds. You know, it just it just happened too frequently. And and turnovers are gonna they, they can you know, they can kill you. You know, they can really just take you right out of a game. And that that unfortunately has been what the 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 Celtics have been um have fallen victims of. I want to commend Bam though. Bam, Bam was uh, extremely impressive in the in the, in the last game. Now, in the last game, you know, Jalen Brown got forty, got nine rebounds. Uh, Horford got his twenty and fourteen rebounds, but Bam got thirty-one points and had ten rebounds and had six assists. That's a that is a hell of a game for for a center. Now he he was also recently named all on the all defense defensive second team. But, you know, 31 points and, and, and 10 rebounds and six assists is a, is a grown man's game. I mean, he, that was uh, extremely impressive. And so when you have that, that type of effort coming from, oh, maybe your number three or two. No, I wouldn't say number three, but your number two best player on the team, two or three best, two, second or third best player on the team. Yeah, you're going to be all right. And he, he, had a very, he played a very aggressive first half. And uh, was one of the reasons why they had such a first uh, first half lead. Yeah, I would say he's the second best player on the team, just because yeah, of the I would fact think that so. he 
He's a great defender as well. Yeah. I think that's why I say the second best player. Tyler Hero is not the greatest defender. But uh, if the Miami Heat are going to win this series, they got to keep doing what they were doing to the Boston Celtics from early in the game, which would be very physical because Boston is one of those teams, you know, that they can be uh, very lackadaisical with the ball. And you have to trick Boston into playing ISO basketball. Mm-hmm. Because the Miami Heat, no matter what, you know, no matter what they uh, do on offense, they're not going to be an ISO team. They may not be able to score a lot of points in, you know, in certain games, but they're not going to go ISO because their players know they're not good enough to do that. Yeah, they, they but do. the Boston Celtics, Tatum and Brown, sometimes they think they're the best players in the world, and they're not. Yeah, and they're going to have to, you know, get out of that. And they did that a lot um, in this um, in the last game. But uh, you know, I know that uh, you know they're probably going to bounce back in Game Four. Uh, well, they have to. They have to. Yeah, they have to. But, let me but, tell you, let me just, yeah. let me just let me interject this one thought. The Celtics had 23 turnovers. 23. Miami had eight. 23 turnovers. That's a lot of turnovers. The Celtics had two steals. While Miami had 19 steals. You know, you're not going to win games like that. If they've stolen 19 steals versus two steals, that's a lot of steals. 19 steals? And then 23 turnovers? You, you play games like that, Gary, you know, you, it, it's going to, you know, just no matter what else you do, you can't win. Celtics led, led, the, led the game in rebounds. They had 44 rebounds versus 34 for, the, for Miami. Assists, they were about even, 22 to 21 in favor of Miami. Um, shooting percentage from the field, Celtics actually shot better. They shot 48% from the field. Uh, free throw line, the heat was better, 86%. From threes, the Celtics shot about 38% from the field from threes. But you can't win with 23 turnovers. You can't win with 23 turnovers when all the team only has eight. And you can't win with only two steals when the other team has 19. And so they they need to they need to kick in their butt by their coach and and, and a little more concentration with with their uh, handling of the ball, so that they don't just continuously lose the ball, throw the ball away, have it stolen, and give the 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 Heat more opportunities to score than they than they should have. Well, speaking again, their butt whipped. Let's go to the other series, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors are just whipping the Dallas Mavericks, and I'm enjoying it because this is a perfect example of a team versus one player. Luka doesn't trust his teammates, and the Golden State Warriors trust their teammates to a fault. They have a system that they follow. And believe it or not, uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have, you know, haven't been that great in this series so far. It's been, it's been a Jordan Poole a loony series for them and Andrew Wiggins series for them. And that should be scary for Dallas because eventually they're going to click. And the Dallas Mavericks, they probably played their best basketball they can probably play with Lucas scoring 40 and, and Jalen Brunson scoring in the high 20s. And they still couldn't get that win um, at home. Now we know that when they're, you know, when Dallas is at home, the fans are going to be behind them. They're going to have, you know, the role players are going to, you know, uh, play great. But I don't think it will matter. I think Golden State will win this pretty easily. Gary, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the uh, Warriors will win in maybe five. Five would be the max. 
if they won four straight, I would not be all that surprised, even though the NBA would be a little upset. But that's the only reason why I think it would go fine, because the NBA would be really upset. So I think that um, that would be the limit of the of the uh, of this series. Now you could say, well, hey, how can you say that? You know, the Mavericks outscored the Warriors 32 to 25 in the first quarter. Outscored the Mavericks. Outscored the Warriors 40 to 33 in second quarter. They were up. And no, that's not, don't don't be fooled by any of that. And the bottom line of it is, Lucas forty two points and five rebounds and eight assists, fine. And you know our next best player on the team was a guy who, who was Dorian Finley Finney Smith, who had like ten points and eight eight rebounds and two assists. So it doesn't match. It just doesn't match. And you're right, Gary Clay hasn't even Clay Thompson hasn't even taken a broken a sweat yet. He, he, last game, he got like 15 points, four rebounds, five assists. Steph, you could say, oh, he had a good game. Yeah, he got 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists. But you know what was the star of that game? Kevon Looney. He had 21 points, 12 assist, uh, rebounds, and a couple of assists. So the team is so well balanced. When Looney is your number two scorer, you know, that 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 says you got a lot of growth, room for growth <laughs> because Poole and Wiggins – you know, they're not even in the picture right now. And Draymond's still going to get you, uh, oh, yeah, triple double, triple singles. But still, you know, he's the top defensive, one of the top defensive players in the league. Bottom line of it is, this is a, a no, no challenge type of series for the Warriors. I think the Warriors were kind of playing it kind of soft anyhow during the regular season. You know, I think they could have challenged the Suns for number one spot in the regular season. They didn't want to. You know, so they finished third, but they said, hey, that's fine. And now they're going to do what they do best, which is perform extremely well in the playoffs. They've been there, tried and tested, and their guys know when to peak, and they know when to gel, and they know when to, uh, number one, be a team, which is where, what you have to be at this point, Gary. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Lucas thinks he's a Luca show. So um, it should put... This should put Luca out of his misery very soon. You know, this series should not cause them to go into June or or even late late May. It should end rather rather quick. Now we're already in late May, but it should end rather quickly because um, they're no match for for the Warriors. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, I think this is a perfect matchup. I mean, I'm sorry, not perfect matchup. It's not um, a, a perfect example of. Matchups in the postseason. The Dallas Mavericks to me wouldn't have gotten to this point if they had to go through the road that the Golden State Warriors went through. I don't think they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, I don't think you know that Dallas um has a shot against Memphis. And but at the same time, I think Golden State would have struggled against Phoenix, even though we were just uh, criticizing Chris Paul. It's all about matchups in the postseason. You know, without a lot of super teams or, you know, the quote unquote two super teams not doing anything this postseason. It was, it was all about uh, what team, you know, was going to have the advantage against another. And I think if Phoenix was playing Golden State, I, I still think Golden State would have, would have won because Chris Paul can't be Steph Curry to save his life. But um, DeAndre Ayton probably would have been even a bigger focal point because Golden State doesn't have a guy to guard him either. But then again, we just saw in the Dallas series that they don't, pass the ball to their big man. So maybe, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, not a good statement, you know, not a first statement. 
That's right. That's right. And, and obviously, Chris Paul has been has proven that he can't do well against any tough competition when it really counts. So he probably would have lost to uh, Steph Curry, just like he lost to uh, who's the guy who played for uh, for Dallas? Oh yeah, let's leave that alone again. We've been beating that drum enough. So um, so Gary, you want to talk any any comments about the MVP selection before we uh, wrap up this show? Or you want to- or should we say yeah. that for another day? I, I'm no, still no, I can say something that. briefly. I'm so upset by it, but go ahead. No, I can say something briefly. Um, well, you know, I think Joel Embiid should have won it. Um, you know, I think he had the best season. And I think, you know, yeah, so I think people realize that James Harden sometimes is more of a burden than an actual uh, help because he does absolutely nothing in the postseason. And, you know, Joel Embiid, Throughout the whole year, without Ben Simmons, without a bunch of other guys on his team, he carried that that Sixer team, and I think he deserves more credit for that. Yes, the Joker carried the Denver Nugget team, but he carried them to to the six seed. That's not that impressive because the last guy to win it as a six seed, you know, because they've been you know telling us this every single day, was Russell Westbrook, who got a triple, you know, who averaged a triple double. But didn't Kobe Bryant average thirty five points a game one year, and he was a seven seed, and they didn't give it to him? And yeah. they gave it to Steve Nash. Yeah. So is it about this you know the standings or is it about you know what you know what historical thing someone does? And that year Kobe Bryant scored eighty one points. He had you know yeah. about nine or ten games of thirty plus points straight, but no one ever talked about that. But they gave it to Steve Nash. But this time they gave it to the Joker and Joel Embiid's team for actually for a good part of the year was a one or two seed in the Eastern Conference. They they actually got worse when James Harden was added to the team. So, yeah, yeah, I think this was really to me it, it was really a two man race. I know Giannis was in there as well, but it was a two man race. But I think Joel Embiid should have should have gotten the MVP, not not Joker. And I I agree wholeheartedly, Gary. To me, um, one of one of the things that stand out that should stand out in the selection of MVP is the the, the, the records of the team and. The Joker's team only won 48 games, um, and the 76ers did better under more adverse conditions. Um, the only thing that I would give the Joker a little more credit for than Embiid would be, quite frankly, he played more games, 78 games versus the Embiid playing about six, I'm 74 games, I'm sorry, to Embiid playing about six, 68 games. But uh, despite that, 76ers had more, more wins. Um, I agree with you. Uh, Harden is a more of a liability than than, than an asset for for any team, and the changes that he had to go through, he being indeed dealing with the whole Ben Simmons episode nightmare was a, was terrible, and also the change in, in in personnel that he had to go through late in the season, losing a good shooter like like Curry and and also uh, um, I think Drummond also left the team as backup center. Uh, that having that change in a team that late is, is something that's hard for any team to to get accustomed to. I don't care if you're talking about AAU or high school or college or whatever. Uh, change in your roster of that magnitude that late is hard. Uh, in the case of the of the Joker, he knew what he was going into. He knew that players weren't going to be there. He played without him all year. Um, I just don't see how he how he gets it. I, I know that you know he had. More rebounds than than Embiid, the thirteen point eight versus uh, Embiid seven point seven. His assists seven point nine assists compared to four point two. 
But let's look at the other stats. The leading scorer in the NBA was Embiid at 30.6. Person who had more block shots. I mean, after all, we want a center to be a rim protector. It's not Joker. Joker couldn't get a block a game. Um, Embiid was almost more than a block and a half a game. Uh, so that's what a center is supposed to be doing, protecting the basket. Joker doesn't do it. Embiid does. When it comes to, to shooting, uh, they're about the same. Joker a little bit better overall. They're both hovering around 50%. But when it comes to threes, shooting threes, there's no big man who shoots threes better than Embiid. Um, free throws, I'm sorry, Joker, but you're not the better free throw shooter either. So Embiid hasn't beat there. So when you look at the, the more classical ways of, of evaluating a player, who's the better shooter, um, okay, maybe a match. Maybe a tie there because one is better at two, overall shooting, one's better at three point shooting. But when it comes to block shots, what a center is supposed to be doing, the Joker loses. When it comes to shooting free throws, which are, which is a very important element of the game, the Joker loses. When it comes to to scoring more more points, the Joker is down by about three points to to, to Embiid. And when it comes to rebounding, it's less than two rebounds a game difference. One average is 13.8, one average is 11.7. So, and don't get me started on assists because, once again, the, the team, the 76ers, were all over the place with the roster during, during the year. While all the Joker had to do was get the ball and, and t- play at the top of the key and, and, and pick someone to throw the ball to. I'm not belittling that. Eight assists, 7.9 assists is a good thing to have. But look at the victories. He doesn't have it. Look who exit. I know they voted before this this occurred, but uh, I think it was more or less predictable that they weren't going that far. They being the uh, Denver Nuggets and people had hopes that the, that the Sixers could actually get into the finals in the East. So bottom line of it is, I think they got it wrong. Um, to me, who had the more breakout season? It was clearly, and they also took that into consideration. More breakout season clearly uh, would be and be. For a person to average over 30 points a game, lead, lead the league in scoring and not get the MVP award and have more victories than the other team, other person, I think is somewhat unprecedented. I think you have to go back to that Kobe Bryant year. Usually if you have more wins than, other than, than the other team, finish at a higher position than the other team and have or score over 30 points a game, I think almost every time you're, you are called the most valuable player in the league. The Joker's 58%, which is even better. But as a big man, shooting 81% from the free throw line, Embiid's a little bit better than the Joker from that perspective. So, you know, it's going to be close, but I hope that that, that people side with Embiid because, you know, when you look at winning games and you look at adversity, I think that no one had a bigger distraction in basketball than Embiid. That team was in turmoil because of that guy by the name of Ben Simmons all last year and all this year, and then a major trade to get rid of one of their best shooters and and, and Curry. Uh, major changes within the team. Uh, bring on a guy like James Harden who, who, takes, who sucks up a lot of oxygen in any room, and still they did what they did. So people have to keep all of that in consideration and realize that the Nuggets – 
they always play without Murray or play without Porter. They play without they they've been doing that I don't know when how many games has Porter ever put you put three years together. Doesn't he go doesn't he go eighty two games for Porter? So that's like yeah, okay. And 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 Murray was out most of you know, good portion of the you know, so that's not he didn't go through any significant changes as far as I'm concerned. And then the team is not doing, you know, doing about the same as they did last year, which is only like fifteen games above five hundred. Versus the versus the seventy sixers are well, about twenty games over over five hundred, so big difference there. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.